You're listening to Tom Fitton's weekly update here on JW Talknet. Hi, everyone. Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton here with our weekly update here on social media. A lot to talk about this week. Uh, the war over the deep state attacks on President Trump continues. Congress continues to harass the president. The president is pushing back. But more importantly, it looks like we finally have a prosecutor looking at the coup crimes and other spygate crimes targeting President Trump. So I'll give you my reaction to that. Plus some major fines, as always, by Judicial Watch about the Mueller special counsel operation, uh, plus new information out of the State Department uh, and the Justice Department showing uh, collusion targeting President Trump uh, just after he was elected. Some really incredible material. Uh, but first up, I think, uh, is the big news this week that the Attorney General has appointed a, a U.S. attorney to take a specific look at the uh, origins of the uh, investigation and spying on candidate Trump and, frankly, President Trump. And so you have a U.S. attorney out of Connecticut. His name, I recall, is John Durham. Uh, he's been around forever in the Justice Department, served in various capacities for attorney generals of both parties. So uh, he's seen as someone who is a, a, a go-to guy uh, by Justice Department senior leadership. I think he investigated uh, the famous Whitey Bulger case, Bulger case up in uh, Massachusetts, uh, where you had FBI corruption. Uh, he also investigated the alleged destruction. It's not alleged. I think they did destroy uh, videotapes of uh, CIA interrogations. Uh, he just declined not to prosecute those, um, that issue. Uh, so uh, he's someone uh, evidently that Attorney General Barr trusts to do an investigation here. And uh, it's an investigation well worth conducting. And I'm glad the Attorney General did not appoint a new special counsel because that would just have generated beyond the constitutional concerns I've always had about special counsels or I've been having about special counsels. That would have just generated a new bureaucracy and further delay. Uh, the Attorney General and my guess is his senior leadership and Mr. Durham up in Connecticut know what to do. Uh, they need to do prosecutions. And uh, that means impaneling grand juries, it means gathering documents, it means bringing witnesses in. And uh, because it looks like there was a number of officials who abused their public office, abused the awesome, awesome powers, I use awesome in the old-fashioned sense of the word, powers entrusted to them by the American people that allow them to spy on us, uh, you know, and those were powers that are used to protect the nation, not to target politicians that they don't like. And that's exactly what seems to have happened with President Trump. So the appointment of a uh, U.S. attorney to do a criminal investigation, because there's no, this is not an administrative review. The inspector general of the Justice Department, uh, Michael Horowitz, is supposedly doing his uh, FISA review, and that report should be due imminent, should be due, uh, should be made public, I would presume, pretty soon, uh, based on all the reports. But that all he can do is just to ask some questions. He doesn't really have uh, the power to compel testimony the way a U.S. attorney does with access to a grand jury. And then all he can do then is make referrals for criminal uh, investigations or uh, for criminal cases. Uh, so I suspect he probably will have a referral or two. And it's good to know that there's a U.S. attorney up and running investigating these very issues that can take the referrals and run with them if need be. 
Now, do I think anyone individually needs to go to jail? Yeah, I do. I, I do think they need to be prosecuted at least and be tried. And if a jury finds them to be guilty, uh, they should uh, serve jail time or be held accountable otherwise. Uh, people like Peter Strzok, uh, who I think of specifically as misusing his office to target President Trump or then-candidate Trump. Remember the insurance policy tax and uh, the outrageous animus he had towards uh, the subject of his investigation. Animus that wasn't because, hey, Trump is a bad guy, uh, he's involved with Russia. It was like, I don't like Trump politically, we're going to get him. And uh, that was uh, something I think uh, the fact that there's nothing been done to date is troubling. So it's good to know that Attorney General Barr has uh, unleashed the hounds, relatively speaking, in terms of doing a hardcore investigation out of, the, out of Connecticut. Now, that being said, let's not get our hopes up too high. And that's why Judicial Watch does its own Freedom of Information Act litigation and tries to get the information out. Uh, because sometimes these criminal cases go on forever, they don't result in anything, and they're often an excuse to protect uh, the agencies that are being investigated or individuals from being dis- investigated uh, from having to produce documents under the Freedom of Information Act. So uh, there's some concern that it might turn back the spigot, of, which has already been turned back significantly by the Justice Department of records releases. So I'm glad that uh, Durham has been uh, 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 allowed to uh, do this. Uh, now, John Huber is supposedly doing I don't know what out in, uh, in Utah. Remember, he was the... Uh, uh, a special U.S. attorney is a U.S. attorney for Utah, but specially appointed by Jeff Sessions to investigate whether to investigate. I don't know what he's been doing. He hasn't communicated with Judicial Watch. Uh, certainly, uh, I've seen no evidence he's doing anything substantial, but who knows? Maybe he'll provide some analysis that will be better than nothing about the mishandling of the Clinton email scandal, which we've documented uh, six ways to Sunday at Judicial Watch with even more revelations just last week that the Obama White House was involved in the cover-up of the Clinton email scandal and that uh, the White House, of uh, the executive office of the president of Barack Obama's White House was a repository uh, for Clinton emails. You know, two uh, startling pieces of information in the sense that, uh, A, we didn't know about it before, and B, uh, by the way, by repository, it meant the FBI had to go to the Obama White House to find some of Hillary's emails that she was trying to hide or destroy. So the Obama White House, uh, further, further evidence that they, they, quote, knew about the Clinton email scandal. And of course, now we have these new documents uh, produced to us, and as a result, the discovery that the uh, White House counsel of the Obama White House was uh, essentially orchestrating the Clinton email cover-up. Uh, so I don't know what's going to be gone, uh, done on that, because the uh, Attorney General under uh, Obama, Gen- Attorney General Lynch, and of course James Comey infamously gave Hillary Clinton a get-out-of-jail-free card. And we all know there was corruption behind those decision-making, that decision-making, and it was as politicized as the uh, just as it was politicized in terms of targeting President Trump or then-candidate Trump, it was equally politicized in terms of protecting Hillary Clinton. Indeed, these agencies were working with Hillary Clinton to go after President Trump or then-candidate Trump. Uh, But uh, that's got to be on Attorney General Barr's radar screen. So he needs to investigate. 
and he's doing that through Durham reportedly, uh, the worst political scandal in American history, which is the targeting of President Trump illicitly by the FBI, the CIA, you name it, the State Department, the Defense Department. But the same side of that coin is the Clinton email scandal. Because by distracting the Justice Department and by focusing the Justice Department on getting Trump, they provided uh, cover and uh, it provided a way out of, uh, for distracting the American people uh, from investigating Hillary Clinton. And so it's been two years and it, it's about time that we hear from the Justice Department what we, they think about what happened during the Obama administration because there could still be prosecutions of Hillary Clinton and other people over what happened. The statute of limitations hasn't run out on some of these key issues. So uh, that's, that's the uh, other thing I think we should be pushing for. And that's why Judicial Watch does its own investigation and litigation. So there's going to be a measure of accountability if Judicial Watch has anything to do with it. I mean, certainly we're getting accountability through our discovery granted to us by a federal court. And even with the U.S. attorney investigating Spygate, Judicial Watch is right now in the middle of 50 lawsuits investigating the deep state attacks on President Trump. We're getting the documents. Judicial Watch found that Christopher Steele, the Clinton DNC spy, was paid by the FBI in 2016 during the campaign. So you got Hillary Clinton and the DNC paying this guy to go after Trump, and you also have the FBI paying him. And then they stopped paying him because it turned out he was a leaker. Yet they happily used Bruce Orr, whose wife worked there, so he was conflicted. He worked, she worked at Fusion GPS, worked with Christopher Steele. They used Bruce Orr to talk to Christopher Steele. It was Judicial Watch that uncovered the documents showing dozens of communications between Bruce Orr and Christopher Steele, the anti-Trump Clinton spy, during 2017. And it was also Judicial Watch that got out the FISA warrant applications that confirmed their fraudulent nature. And it was also Judicial Watch that confirmed through our litigation that there, were not, there was not one FISA court hearing on the four applications, the initial application and three renewals targeting President Trump. I don't know about you. I know um, the FISA courts often don't have hearings. But it seems to me if they're going to have a hearing, they need to have it if the FBI wants to spy on a presidential candidate and or the President of the United States. All that information came out thanks to Judicial Watch. So what I would suggest is that John Durham go to the Judicial Watch website and look up our material, because it's all there, to begin his prosecutions. And we've got new information coming out every day, it seems. Uh, and along those lines, uh, we have new documents uh, showing that this guy, Bruce Orr, you know, he just, you know, if you listen to Bruce Orr and read his testimony, he suggests he was just an intermediary, you know, he was just conveying information from the FBI, uh, from Christopher Steele to the FBI. Um, he didn't really think it was much of a conflict to have his wife there uh, working at the same place. So he had no problem doing any of that. He was just doing his job. Well, he was an anti-Trump activist because we have the documents to prove it. 
This is the headline from our release. I'm looking at the wrong release here. Here it is. Judicial Watch releases email exchange between State Department official and Bruce Orr targeting Trump with Steele dossier material. It's a conversation, the emails are, they came from the Justice Department, showing a conversation between former Deputy Assistant Secretary of State for the Bureau of European and Eurasian Affairs, Kathleen Kavalik, a Trump, uh, an Obama appointee. This all took place after Trump was elected, but before he was inaugurated. So the conversations were between uh, Kavalak and uh, Bruce Orr discussing the targeting of Donald Trump. So in discussing a meeting with the potential source for a Mother Jones uh, article accusing the Trump campaign of taking money from a Russian oil magnate, as well as Christopher Steele's connection to that source, and the source is a, a guy by the name of Serge Milan, Kavalik emails or citing the accusatory Mother Jones article. Mother Jones is a far-left publication and a vehicle for the Fusion GPS smear spearing of President Trump. They leaked the dossier to Mother Jones. Um, no, it wasn't Mother Jones. I think that was the nation. Either way. Uh, or says, I really hope we can get something going here. In fact, he says, I really hope we can get something going here. We'll take another look at this. So here you've got uh, Kavalak who had been in communication with Christopher Steele because she references her, her notes of her communications with Steele. Sending this information suggesting Russia involvement in the Trump campaign after he's elected. So you got this Trump uh, Obama political appointee coordinating with deep stater Bruce Orr and Bruce Orr happily says, I hope we can get something going on here. We'll take another look. And uh, in response to that, Kavalek again says, I see there's a connection between Chris Steele and the Sergei Milan guy, this, this Russian businessman who was an alleged source for the anti-Trump dossier, which turned out to be salacious and unverified. As Comey told us two years ago, almost, and as Mueller confirmed again. Now, Kavalek recently came to national attention with, because of these notes. Uh, our, uh, our friends at Citizens United had also asked for documents and received some documents showing that uh, he ha she had that meeting, as I said, in October of 2016 with uh, auth uh, dossier author Christopher Steele, or alleged author Christopher Steele. Because I've got, oh, I'm, I'm sure you've got your theories as to where that dossier really came from. And that story, uh, those stories confirm, or those documents confirm that, uh, you know, Steele really didn't know what he was talking about, and Kavalak called him out on it in her communications about what he told her. I think he talked about the Miami consulate of the Russians organizing the Trump conspiracy collusion. And guess what? There is no Miami consulate for the Russians. So again, these documents are a shocking example of the deep state plotting against President Trump. I don't know how else to put it. And again, it just occurred just weeks after he was elected, November 21st.
2016, and now there's no doubt that Bruce Orr and the Obama State Department were working with the Clinton gang to target President Trump. You had this Obama official sending material to Bruce Orr, tying it up with Christopher Steele and the Russia and the Russia uh, hoax. Well, there was a hoax. There was no evidence. This is all just news stories percolating around and a political hack, Christopher Steele, trying to tell us, you know, we should believe him because he was a foreign spy for a period of time. Unbelievable. So John Durham, take a look at this press release. Judicial Watch is doing your work for you. You know, and uh, people talk about investigating the investigators, and the focus seems to be inordinately on the creation of the of the uh, investigation, as opposed to the investigation itself. And I'm meaning the Mueller special counsel operation. And Judicial Watch is not afraid to investigate uh, the corrupt Mueller operation because I do believe it was corrupted. It was corruptly formed. And it was abuse after abuse by the Mueller special counsel operation uh, targeting the Trump team. And uh, one of the concerns people have had about the Mueller special counsel operation is the large number, almost uniformly, Democrat uh, prosecutors it hired. Uh, I don't think they hired any current Republicans or any current Republican donors, but a dozen or so Democrat donors. Now, these are mostly Justice Department officials. Now, I don't know about you, but you probably uh, are like most people. You don't give money to political candidates. And the number of people who give money directly to political candidates or campaigns is a relatively small amount of uh, people. But the Mueller operation managed to find a dozen or so donors to Democrat campaigns, and specifically the Obama and Hillary campaigns. So that's why you see the president constantly refer to the Mueller operation as uh, you know run by 13 angry Democrats. You know the president quite uh, succinctly uh, put it all together there. You know the anti-Trump people, but I mean, they didn't want to see him elected. They were giving money to his opponents. People want to know, how, why is it that took place? Why did Mueller allow that to take place? Why did he hire all these activists? And it looks like it was because Andrew Weissman, the, the anti-Trump activist who turned to, was his deputy, one of his top lawyers on the operation, was doing the hiring. Now, who's Andrew Weissman? Longtime DOJ official. I think he bounced out of the DOJ for a time and then came back in. Controversial because he pursued... Uh, he's known for aggressively pursuing cases be beyond kind of the envelope of the law. His prosecution of the Arthur Anderson accounting firm, I think, was turned aside by a unanimous Supreme Court because he was just so far out ahead of where the law was in targeting Arthur Anderson. But that was the Enron case. But he's an anti-Trumper. How do we know that? Because Judicial Watch found the documents. You remember Sally Yates, the Obama Attorney General holdover who uh, Trump used for a few weeks when he was first elected or first put uh, uh, first came into the presidency, and Yates had to be fired because of her unethical and lawless refusal to uh, have the Justice Department defend the president's initial travel ban. So the president rightly fired her. 
I mean, Sally Yates is a real, someone who deserves significant investigation. So you had Sally Yates taking this lawless resistance, this seditious act, and guess who sends her an email applauding her? Andrew Weissman. Judicial Watch found the email. I'm so proud and in awe. Thank you so much. All my deepest respects. So you have Andrew Weissman supporting this anti-Trump act. And then reportedly, according to the, I think it was the Wall Street Journal that reported, he not only was an anti-Trumper in the sense of supporting this lawlessness, he had earlier gone up to New York on election day, election night, to go to Hillary Clinton's campaign party at her headquarters. It wasn't much of a party because she she lost, obviously, but he was there to celebrate or commiserate, either way. So not only was he an anti-Trump activist, but he was actually a Hillary Clinton activist. How many other senior Justice Department officials went to the campaign headquarters of Hillary Clinton? Really incredible. Why was this man anywhere near a special counsel investigation? Well, it turns out he was not only the number two, but he was hiring all those 13 angry Democrats, it looks like. Because what Judicial Watch did last year was ask for uh, his documents, his calendars, and his text messages. Now, we only got two text messages, but we got about 18 months of calendars, and even then, much of the material was withheld from us. We asked for all text messages sent to or from DOJ official Andrew Weissman regarding Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton between August 8, 2016 and the present. All calendar entries, whether in physical or electronic form, for Weissman from January 1, 2015 to the present. Well, it turns out they only gave us text messages for, they gave us only two text messages that are undated, and the calendars are only for, uh, from May 17th forward. So they've already played games with us. We asked for this a year ago, and we finally got them last week or earlier this week. And they show that Weissman was doing the hiring for Mueller. So if you want to know how those activist anti-Trumpers were hired, well, because Mueller outsourced it evidently to Mr. Weissman. Weissman's calendar shows that he began interviewing for investigative jobs in the Mueller operation almost immediately after it was announced. On June 5, 2017, he interviewed former chief of the Public Corruption Unit of the U.S. Attorneys for the Southern District of New York, Andrew Goldstein. Goldstein was then, a, I guess, was a previously a Time magazine reporter. So sure enough, he combined, uh, he contributed a combined $3,300 to Obama's campaign in 2008 and 2012. And then he got hired by the Mueller operation. Weissman also had a meeting regarding the Foreign Agents Registration Act almost immediately upon being hired. Now, that's a law that was never, virtually never was criminally prosecuted until the uh, Mueller special counsel came around and started to use it as a cudgel to criminally prosecute people around President Trump. Outrageous abuse of power and authority. Weissman interviewed another prosecutor, Kyle Freeney, for the DOJ's money laundering section for the team on June 7th. She contributed a total of $500 to Obama's presidential campaigns and 250 to Hillary's. She later was detailed to Mueller. He interviewed a trial attorney who worked with him in the criminal fraud section, Ruth Atkinson, on June 9th. 
Records show that Atkinson donated two hundred donated two hundred dollars to Clinton's campaign in two thousand sixteen. Registered Democrat. On June thirteenth, he interviewed a senior DOJ official, Greg Andres. Andres donated twenty seven hundred dollars to the campaign for Senator Kristen Gillibrand, a thousand dollars for the campaign David Hoffman, both Democrats. His wife is a judge in Manhattan appointed by President Obama. So this is pretty incredible stuff. Other media focused on the fact that, you know, he had lots of meetings about they were doing moot court practices, session, moot court practice sessions prior to big hearings in the Manafort cases. But I, I think it's important to see that Mueller allowed Weissman to evidently do the hiring, and it helps explain why you had all these anti-Trumpers working on the Mueller special counsel. He had a hand in hiring key members of the Mueller team, all of whom happened to be opponents of President Trump. No wonder it took over, well over a year to get this basic information. So this is, this is what we have to deal with at Judicial Watch. And our lawyers and investigators uh, deserve a lot of credit because they all have the patience of Job. I don't have the patience of Job. I want the documents all the time, as quickly as we can. But, you know, I have to suffer and wait. In the case of this case, we, we, uh, in this case, we sued. We began asking for the documents last June. And we received them, like I said, a week ago. So it took almost a year in a lawsuit to get this basic calendar information. And as I've noted in the beginning, they're withholding the information. So I need the, I, there at least needs to be an audit of how the Mueller operation behaved. And Judicial Watch has 10 Freedom of Information Act lawsuits investigating the Mueller operation. Leaks. Raids. Remember those pre-dawn raids on guns drawn on Manafort and Roger Stone, the outrageous raid of the lawyer President uh, Trump, Michael Cohen. There needs to be an audit. Is that the way the Justice Department behaves? With no holds barred. Abuse of power. So Judicial Watch has gotten these key documents. The media is going through the calendars now. There's plenty of stories out there. But it's Judicial Watch that's doing this work. Congress isn't doing it. The media didn't bother asking for the material, evidently. Because Judicial Watch is your watchdog here in Washington, D.C. We're pleased to be able to do the work. You know, I have another interesting case. We don't always sue the federal government. We sometimes sue local governments or government entities to get access to information because, as you know, government corruption isn't just here in Washington, D.C. So we have this interesting lawsuit on behalf of a D.C. Metro watchdog. It's called Unsuck Metro. Forgive the language, but that's the name of the group. And they're suing the Metro, which is the DC, uh, which is our local uh, subway here in Washington, D.C. It serves Virginia Maryland and D.C. And the metro uh, is run by the Washington Metropolitan Area Transit Authority. So uh, like other uh, localities with transit systems, you sometimes have multi-state 
entities that run the transit system, most famously the Port Authority up in New York. So the uh, WMATA, the Metro, as I call it down here. Uh, now, Metro down here is notorious uh, for uh, being unsafe, corrupt, uh, wasteful, and of course they want billions of your dollars. So you subsidize our metro here. Federal government subsidizes it. And uh, I mean, I'll tell you one story about metro. There was one policy they had, I recall a reporter, one of the news stories reporting it, because people die on the metro too often, both employees and, and regular riders. Uh, and most recently, I think someone died in a smoke-filled tunnel. I think this is at least two years ago now, two, three years ago. And the D.C. metro policy was to, uh, if, there were smokes in, if there were smoke in a tunnel, they would send a train full of passengers into the tunnel to figure out what was going on. So, uh, as you might imagine, and there was a major accident several years ago in 2009 that killed nine people, and that woman who was killed in the smoke incident was killed in 2015, has an operating budget of $1.7 billion, and it has declining ridership. Now, when Metro works, it works great, but when it doesn't work, it's a disaster. Now, I say that because I'm a regular Metro rider. I know what's going on. So uh, Unstuck Metro is a critic of Metro. They are a watchdog of Metro. They are an un- unincorporated uh, association. And they had asked for something simple, a customer satisfaction tracking study. So Metro did a, a study as to what customers, uh, you know, as whether customers were satisfied or not. So in typical government fashion, they gave uh, our client a version of the survey with 28 of 29 pages completely blacked out and redacted. And I think the only page that was not blacked out, you know, had some demographic questions, but none of the answers, like age, race, and sex of the, the customers who filled out the surveys. So they don't want the questions out there, and they don't want the answers about customer satisfaction. Complete outrageous secrecy. And so... Um, you know, the, this, this group on Suck DC Metro wants the documents, so we're suing for them in court here in Washington, D.C. So uh, we've got this corrupt government entity that is bleeding your tax dollars dry. I don't know, maybe mixing metaphors there. It's dangerous. It's known as the worst in the world. It's probably not the worst in the world, but it can be pretty bad. And, uh, you know, what's the metro for your capital city? And it's, a, and it's a disaster. So it's, again, up to Judicial Watch to try to extract basic information from this corrupt government entity. Certainly doing the work on behalf of our client who had the idea to actually ask the government entity for basic information about its operations and how customers thought of it. I mean, obviously, if the survey had good no- news, we would be having it released to the public immediately. 
but obviously there's bad news here and they're trying to keep it secret. So uh, think about this case as you have your own local FOIA cases. Because I, I just want to let you know, obviously we can provide help where we can. We don't have unlimited capacity. But you can ask your local community governments, your local governments, state and federal, uh, state and local, you can ask federal too, questions under your own FOIA laws. There are state FOIA laws that are often better than even the federal FOIA law. So you can be your own FOIA activist, as Unsuck Metro was, and you can ask for documents, and the government has to respond to you. Now, they may not. It may be frustrating. You'll see why Judicial Watch has to file hundreds of lawsuits. Uh, but uh, it's important that we hold our government accountable. And this Freedom of Information Act and similar open records laws are essential to doing that. We wouldn't know about all of these scandals we're talking about without the Freedom of Information Act at the federal level. Now, of course, the agencies abuse the law, don't follow the law. That's why we go to court to do it. But we couldn't be in court without the underlying Freedom of Information Act. And that tool is available to you. You know, we've got this precious, precious right here in the United States where we're allowed as citizens and civic organizations like Judicial Watch to use the law to hold our government accountable. You know, that's not available in most other countries, even Western countries. They don't have transparency laws like we do. And if you want the government to lord over you without any accountability, without having to answer any questions, I guess that's your right. But as freedom-loving American citizens, I'm sure you agree with me, whether you're on the right or the left, that the government has to be accountable. So whether it be suing Metro or the IRS or the State Department or the Justice Department or the FBI or CIA, you name it, Judicial Watch is there for you and the rest of the American people trying to remind the government that they're responsible to us, they work for us, the American taxpayer and the American citizen, and they need to respond to us as the law requires. So with that, thank you for your support, and I'll see you next week here on the Judicial Watch Weekly Update. You have just listened to Tom Fitton's weekly update on JW TalkNet. Remember to subscribe and donate at judicialwatch.org slash donate.